Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So today is what we we call Support Staff Appreciation Day. And this is a day that the council and I have set aside to honor our support staff. And in an effort to be a sweet pastor today, I have chosen not to embarrass or roast our staff. Instead, I've cho- I have chosen to celebrate them, all of them. I want to celebrate them today. And, um, and so, voted on by their pastor and their peers, I want to share with you the support staff superlatives. The support staff, okay, maybe not voted on by their peers, but voted on by their pastor, and now I'm sharing it with their peers. I present to you the support staff superlatives. Most likely to be late for her own funeral, Alexis Meacham. Unless it's at noon and Chick-fil-A is involved and then there will be a resurrection, I assure you. Most likely to have a nervous breakdown while taking up the offering, Pastor Scott Campbell. Most likely to spontaneously break out in a Texas draw mid-sentence, Jennifer Ratter. Hey, y'all. Most likely to be cast as the white drake, Pastor Andrew. Go ahead, get your phones out. I'll let you, we'll we'll leave it up there for just a moment. Take, Take pictures of the screen. We want this all over social media. Yeah. Most likely to set her browser homepage to WebMD, Nikki Campbell, self-admitted hypochondriac. Most likely to become a meteorologist that specializes in organic spaghetti models, Cindy Law. If you've never been through a hurricane with Cindy, it's interesting. And she's back on Facebook just in time. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Most likely to call you by your wrong name, Pastor Scott Campbell. Most likely to be called by the wrong name by her husband, Nikki Campbell. And most likely to be called by the wrong name at any given moment by Pastor Scott, Jennifer and Alexis and Cindy and Andrew and Mandy and me and you and you and you and you and you because the boy just cannot remember anybody's name. Bless his heart. Amen. Amen. How blessed am I to serve with these amazing people? Church, I cannot express to you how thankful I am to God for the team that he has put around me that I get to serve this church with. And though today is not just about them, I assure you that as we get into God's word, this is to speak to all of our lives. This includes all of us in the room. And today is not just about them. They certainly do encompass the qualities that God is highlighting today. And I want to celebrate that with them. Now, let me, let me say this to you, church, because for those of you that are guests with us and and you may wonder what is going on here, we're not celebrating a man or a woman. We're not celebrating a person. We're celebrating what God does through their life. And all throughout God's word, especially in the New Testament, there's testimonies, written letters of of Paul celebrating what God has done in and through people's lives. And that's what we do here. But in an effort to tie this in uh, with support staff appreciation, 
and, and also with your life and where you're at and what you're going through and what I know God wants to do in your life, I have prepared a sermon today called, Who's Got Your Back? Who's Got Your Back? It takes a team to succeed. Church, listen to me. You cannot succeed in life without a team. You're going to have to have a group of people around you that help make you a success. When you have a group of people that are hoping for and believing for and working together, it's then that goals are accomplished. This is easy to see when you're watching team sports. Yesterday I was watching a lot of college football on, on TV and um, it's, it doesn't take you long to watch football to realize that a good quarterback is only as good as, as his offensive line. It takes a good offensive line in order for him to succeed. In volleyball, an outside hitter is only as good as her setter. You can have the greatest basketball player in the league, but he is only as good as the team around him. Ask LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, and I'm so glad they stink. Even the greatest solo athletes have a team around them. We often don't don't put all this together. We don't think this way, but, but think about the, the best golfer. The best golfer has a caddy. He has a swing coach as well as, as many other people that are on his team. We know the greatest Olympic swimmer has a swim coach and a physical trainer. Even 12-time Nathan's hot dog eating champion Joey Chestnut has someone that cooks the hot dogs and also runs the stopwatch, and he even has a doctor that says, stop, you're going to die if you keep eating all these hot dogs. Takes a team, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 tells us that two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. So two are better than one because they help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I have been there in my own life. I have, I have been in places mentally where I have isolated myself. And when the enemy leads me to believe that isolation is a better environment for me, when he lies to, to, to my heart, when he lies to, to my thoughts, and he, he leads me to believe that, that isolation is best for me, that's where I find myself in big trouble. God has designed your life in such a way that it must include others to be successful. You must allow God to surround your life with a team of people. You may not call them a team, but, but you need a team of people that will surround you to help push you towards the goal that God has for you, and you may be a part of their team also. I can tell you this, church, that the success of this church has not and will not fall on the shoulders of any one man or one woman. The success of Destiny Community Church has and will continue to be a team effort that has been blessed by God. First of all, it is a team effort by our staff. I cannot do this without them. Then it's a team effort by the volunteers in this church, and that makes up, that, 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 that is all of you. You make up the volunteer base of this church, and it is a team effort. And because of this team effort that God has blessed, we continue to see God moving. We continue to see God healing. We continue to see God saving. We see the church being built because human beings have submitted to God's model of having a, a, a team, a team of people that have the same goal in mind. 
The enemy knows the power of unity and teamwork. The enemy knows that it's a powerful thing. And it's the reason why he fights against it so much in your life. I believe there's people here right now that you're battling isolation because the enemy has convinced you that you're in this thing all by yourself. The enemy knows how powerful the team model is when, when God is behind that and he fights against it. And the reason why so many churches are ineffective today is because they have allowed the enemy to take up membership in their pew and to stir up division among the members. It's one of the things that I believe has kept us so pure and kept us our, our, our hearts moving in the right direction is because we have not allowed the disunity to take over in our church. And, and we've always taught that we must work through the problems. We are a family. We are a team of people that come together. And, and, and there is not a problem that we cannot discuss. Remember what I've always said to you, church. Right time, right place, and right attitude. We can talk about anything with anyone in this room at the right time and the right place and the right attitude. And, and if we keep that in mind, we, we bring a, a, a resolution to conflict because the enemy is trying to take that conflict and to, to, to bring disunity because he does not want us to be successful because he understands the power behind teamwork. Psalm 133 and 1 says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. And so when we... When we're together in that one mind and that one accord, there's power there. Think about the church in, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, when the church came together in one mind and one accord, the Holy Spirit fell upon that church, and that's when the church began to explode. There's power in unity. There's power in teamwork. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 19, he said, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There's power in coming together in the name of Jesus. And the enemy doesn't like it because the, the, the victory that God has for your life involves a support team around you, and he tries to destroy that constantly in our lives. Now, this morning I'm going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 6, a number of verses out of Ephesians chapter 6. And that as you turn there in your Bible or on your digital device, let me kind of set this up for us a little bit. In the New Testament, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone that was more instrumental in building the early church than the Apostle Paul. I think we can all agree in this room that Paul was, was an, an extremely important figure in, in the early church and, and spreading the gospel, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. He was hand-selected by Jesus on the road to Damascus to be an apostle to the Gentiles. We know that God used him to write 13 books in the New Testament possibly 14, but we can't prove the other one, but we know that he, he authored 13 books more than any other biblical author. We know that the apostle Paul was a pastor. He was a church planner. Paul was an evangelist. Paul was a missionary and his missionary journeys helped spread the good news of Christ to the known Eastern world. Paul was an important person. And, 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 and everyone who, who understands the early church, uh, we, we have this tendency to put Paul up on a pedestal because he is so important. And, and, and we want to celebrate that. And I think we should. I think we should celebrate uh, how, how great Paul was and, and the things that he accomplished for the kingdom. But don't you be fooled into thinking that Paul did this on his own. Though he will go down in history as one of the greatest church leaders 
Paul had the help and Paul had the support of many. In his letters, Paul would often mention people by name that helped him fulfill his calling on his life. And so he would call them out by name. He would call out Barnabas, Barsabbas. He would call out Silas and Timothy and Lydia. He wrote about Philip, Julius, Phoebe. He talked about a couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila that helped him. He wrote about Apollos and Luke. Paul mentions no less than 76 different people in his letters that helped push him in ministry, that helped support him in ministry, people that had his back in ministry. So we cannot say that Paul was great all on his own. No, Paul had a support team around him. And and that is what God desires for our lives too. Listen, the reason why some of you have yet to find that success in the kingdom of God yet, the reason why you have yet to, 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 to answer that call that God has for you and to see God's hand moving in your life is because you simply have not put the support team around you. And once you start putting that support team around you, you're going to see God's hand move in your life because Jesus gave us that promise that where where two or more come together in his name and so we've got to put an emphasis on this there were hundreds of other people in various congregations that helped fund Paul's missionary journeys too many for him to name the point is that to be successful Paul needed people around him And for you and I to be successful, we have to have people around us. So I want to turn our attention this morning to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And by the end of this letter, Paul mentions one young man by name that I want to focus in on. And we'll get there in just a moment. But to fully understand what this young man, his his name was Tychicus. And Tychicus was a very important, very instrumental person in Paul's life. In order for you to understand why he was so important, you've got to read a few verses ahead as Paul illustrates the whole armor of God. And so this is going to stretch some of you today. I want you to stay with me. It's going to be educational, but I think it's going to help you understand the importance of why you need someone who's got your back. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Paul says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak Paul encourages us to put on the whole armor of God. And and today, I don't have time to get into an in-depth study on the armor of God. Maybe we will at some other point. We have done that in the past. But but today, rather than than spend our time looking at each, each element of the armor of God, I think it's important for us to look at it 
in, in, a, in a brief synop- brief synopsis and just see what it covered. The first thing that Paul tells us to put on is the belt of truth. Then he tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then he talks about the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. He talks about the, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. These are the things that Paul said, you must gird yourself with these things. What Paul was describing to us was a Roman soldier's uniform that was both defensive and offensive. In other words, Paul was not sending us into a battle without not being able to defend ourselves, but also to attack when we need to attack. The armor of God, as you read through it, it looks complete. It it looks like that is everything that we need. It is both offensive, it is both defensive, But with this uniform, there are major organs that were protected on the front side. We understand that the helmet of salvation would protect the the brain. We understand that the breastplate of righteousness would protect the, the heart and even the lungs. But not only were some of the major organs protected, we know that the gospel of peace, the shoes, were protecting the feet. And every soldier has to have his feet protected. You need a good pair of shoes, a good pair of boots before you go into battle, right? We know that the arms were protected because of the shield of faith. We know that even the the reproductive system was protected with the belt of truth. And I don't have the time to get into all the details of that. But know that the New American Standard Bible says, having girded your loins with truth. And so the reproductive system of the church is, is guarded with the belt of truth. It would appear as though the soldier was was complete but but when you look at the soldier's uniform you would also realize that on the back side he was completely vulnerable because if you were to look at the back of a roman soldier all that you would see would be a few leather straps going across his back holding on the breastplate of righteousness but he is completely vulnerable from the back his back being exposed and with no protection on the back they could easily be stabbed in the back Maybe someone would attack them and stab them in the kidneys or, or go for their spine. Leaving the back exposed, Paul continues in verse 21. Now understand, he just gave us the instructions to put on the whole armor of God. And then he goes straight into verse 21. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So we turn our attention now to this young man by the name of Tychicus. Tychicus is only mentioned five times in the Bible, all in the New Testament. We're first introduced to Tychicus in Acts chapter 20 on Paul's third missionary journey where there are a group of men that are traveling with Paul and Tychicus happens to be in that group. In our text today, Paul called Tychicus the beloved brother or faithful minister. We know in Colossians chapter 4 that Paul calls him once again a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and then he adds on and fellow servant. Paul trusted Tychicus to deliver important letters to the churches in Ephesus and Colossae. Although he is not the star of the story, we know that Tychicus plays one of the most important roles in all of the Bible. It's a role that many of us overlook from time to time. It's the people that have the back of the individuals 
that God is doing great things through. It's the Tychicus is of the Bible. It's the little people that only get a few verses here and there, but, but without their influence and without their determination, without their support, we would not have the Bible that we have today, and we certainly wouldn't have the victories that we have today. His very name meant lucky or fortunate. I'm not sure if it was a nickname that Paul gave to him or not, but, but I, I, I think Paul considered himself very fortunate to have a colleague like Tychicus. He was a faithful encouragement to Paul. And because of him being a faithful encouragement to, to Paul, Paul, when he was ready to write his letter to the church in Ephesus, he hands the letter to Tychicus to hand deliver it to these people. And he tells them in the letter, this guy's been an encouragement to me. Now I'm sending him to be an encouragement to you. I want you to meet Tychicus. Because what Tychicus means for my life, I believe that he can be an encouragement to your life also. Man, is, is that not the prayer that I have and not the prayer that you have for your life? If God was still writing his word today, I, I just want to be known by that encouragement. I want God to, to use me in a way that, that when someone needs to be uplifted, when someone needs protection, when, when God would raise up people like this, that, that they don't get the limelight. They, they're, they're not stars in the story, but yet they are so instrumental. And Paul says, I want you to be encouraged by the ministry of Tychicus. Now, it's no coincidence, church, that immediately after Paul describes the armor of God with the exposed back, that he makes mention of this young man that has his back, that has been such an encouragement. You have to understand that nothing here is by accident. It is very intentional. And in a, in a society that was heavily influenced by Rome, the Ephesians would have understood the different formations that the Roman army used when fighting. You see, the Roman army, they were trained to, to fight as they were guarding each other's backs. Let me, let me use you two real quick. And so if, if I'm standing here with my, with my shield and my sword, they had different formations to where we were guarded on all sides. It doesn't matter if we do not have any armor on our back because the Roman army was trained to fight in, in, in defending the one behind them. They were a war machine. And what appeared to be as a weakness to them became one of their greatest strengths that these men would fight for each other. They truly had one another's backs. And the only way that, that, that my back would be attacked, the only way that would happen is if something happened to this guy Something happened to this guy, or if one of them turned and betrayed me and stabbed me in the back. Thank you, guys. But no one would want to do that because the, the punishment and the penalty for betraying one of your fellow soldiers was outrageous. They had this mental mindset that it's one for all and all for one. That if we're going to fight and we're going to be completely covered on the front, that we're going to make sure that we're guarding each other from behind. 
We've got one another's backs. And Paul shares the armor of God. You, you must put on the armor of God where you are completely protected. But for that vulnerable place, I've got a, a young man by the name of Tychicus. And Tychicus is the one who had my back. I tell you this today because some of you need to realize that you need a Tychicus in your life. You see, we've, we've all got that inner circle. And I'm going to be careful here because I, I, I don't want to offend, but you have people that are surrounding you. You have a team. Now, whether or not they're effective or not, I don't know, but you have a team around you. We've all got that inner circle. We've all got the people that, that we want to re rely on. We want to lean on them. But you need a Tychicus. You need someone that will guard your back while you fight the battle of your life. That when you are fighting cancer, you've got someone standing behind you that says, no, no, while they're fighting that battle, I I'm guarding them on this side. Amen. That when you're fighting an addiction in your life, and you are, are, are face to face, you, mano y mano against that addiction. You've got someone behind you that is lifting you up in prayer and saying, you are not vulnerable from this side. I've got your back. That no matter what battle you're facing in your life, you must have people around you like Tychicus that encourage you and they push you towards that finish line. Our military and our first responders say it like this. They say, I've got your six. In other words, I've got your back. Brother, sister, I've got your back. Don't you worry about that. You're not going to be flanked. You're not going to be attacked from the back. I've got you. And Paul knew what it was like to have various people in his life. And you've got various people in your life. But, but Paul knew what it was like to have someone that was holding him back. You see, that's the danger that some of us are in. Some of us, we have people in our lives that are holding us back. Paul was no stranger to incarceration or even house arrest. Paul wrote numerous letters from his prison cell. How many of you know that there are people who will hold you back and that becomes a prison cell all in itself? There are people that, because they don't speak the same faith language that you speak, they will hold you back. I've, I've said this in many times sharing our testimony, but just let me remind you of this. When my wife was battling cancer, if there was a doctor or a friend or a church member or anyone that came into that room and they were not speaking with faith, my wife would ask them to leave the room. You don't need someone holding you back. You need someone speaking faith over your life and over your circumstance. Paul knew what it was like to be held back in prison. Paul knew what it was like for, for, for someone to hold him back from, from answering his life's call and fulfilling what God had called him to do and what God had called him to be. He knew what that felt like. I think about Abraham. Abraham gets to the bottom of Mount Moriah and it's time to, to take his son up to the top of the mountain. And, and he's not sure if his son is coming back with him because God has, is testing his faith here. Standing at the bottom of that mountain, understanding that there are some servants there with their donkeys that will not allow him to, to complete what God wants him to do up on that mountain. He says, you stay here, abide ye here with the donkeys. 
while me and the boy go up and we'll return. Some people that are on your journey with you, they're not meant to be on your journey with you. Oh, you can wave at these people as you travel down the road. You can chit-chat with them a little bit, but man, I'm telling you, you got to be careful on who's in your inner circle because when you're fighting the battle of your life, you better make sure it's someone that has faith believing that's going to have your back in the process. Paul knew what it was like to have someone stabbing him in the back. We don't get much detail, but I know, it, I know it was painful for him. You'll relate. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells young Timothy about a man by the name of Alexander. He says, Alexander, and I quote, did me a great deal of harm. That's what he says. That's how he describes the offense. He says, he did me a great deal of harm. But Paul was hurt so badly by Alexander that he warns young Timothy not to trust him. He says, don't trust him. And then he says these words that we all want to say to someone who stabs us in the back. He says, God will judge him for what he has done. And that's where he leaves it. He hurt me. He stabbed me in the back. And God will judge him for what he has done. I don't have time today to preach healing in, 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 in that sense but here I just want to speak this over you right now there are people in your life that consistently stab you in the back and you keep returning to that conversation you need to be careful with that it becomes like an abused wife that keeps returning to her abusive husband time and time again do not allow people who are stabbing you in the back to speak over your life because their words are death and they will never, never push you towards what God wants for your life. If anything, they're pulling you back. But God gave Paul some friends that had his back. Over 76 of them that he called by name. Hundreds more in churches. People who believed in Paul they believed in the cause of Christ. And no matter what battle he faced, and man, did Paul face some battles. These people were there for him. They'll never be the star of the story. But I'm not sure that we would have Paul if it wasn't for Titus. If it wasn't for Phoebe. Priscilla and Aquila, Barnabas, Silas, Timothy. So I want to ask you three questions in closing. The first one is this. Who's holding you back? Maybe there's people in your life that are holding you back right now. And you're going to have to determine on how much distance and how much space you put there because they're not good for you. The second question I want to ask you is this. Who is stabbing you in the back? There's something that God gave humanity that really separates us from the divine but is a defense mechanism that he gave us. God is, has the ability to forgive and forget. Humanity doesn't. We constantly 
have to filter our lives through this is what you did to me. I'm going to have to be careful. I'm going to have to leave my guard up until you prove otherwise. And, and I know that this is a slippery slope and I want to be careful with this, but I just believe right now that there's someone here that you have to realize you can't keep going back to the one that keeps stabbing you in the back because God has prepared a Titicus for you that's got your back. That's my final question for you. Who's got your back? Who have you allowed God to bring alongside of you that will protect you, that you can be completely vulnerable with, and you don't have to worry about them going out there talking about you, sharing your dirty laundry with anybody else? No. In the biggest battle of your life, they're protecting you. Who do you have in your life that when you don't feel like you can get a, a, out of the bed and face the day, they'll come drag your butt out of bed. Who do you have? Who's got your, who's got your back? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.